Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not. Welcome to another episode of the Cobra Cast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty the Prez Logan, and I got my co-host, Ricky Et Dog VP Etridge. Uh, welcome to the show and welcome Et Dog. How are you today, mates? Oh mate, I uh, could be better. We're just been found out we're going into uh, even stricter lockdown. So um, I feel Stage like I'm four. thirteen again and back on a curfew. <laughs> Could be inside before the light, the street lights come on. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Probably sort of wants to run the risk of breaking the curfew just to see how many people are out there and just see how dead the streets actually are. Because I reckon it'd be it'd be some eerie shit to be out there at the moment at eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Well, according this, it's uh, about. But 20, in re- 20, in reality, 20, so. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, curfew should be six. Yeah, well, just gives people you no know, more reason to be at home, ready to watch. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, and there'll be even more people at home because uh, there's a lot more places shut down. So on that note, I will just remind everyone that there's tough times that everyone's going through and stuff. So if you do need somebody to talk to, make sure you do it before it's too late. So um, you know, reach out to either Beyond Blue, Lifeline, 13, 11, 14. Um, or you know, check in on your mates and stuff. Um, get them on Zoom, get them on FaceTime. You know, we do it regularly. We'll we've started. Fr- we've Friday night, back. we'll probably be we've, having Zoom beers yeah, again. We've gone back to to once a week. Um, we started off real well last lockdown. Then you amazed become worldwide sensations. Didn't have time for our fellas, and now we're like, well, we better look after them because we do care for them. Yeah, we get to enjoy bikes eating four packets of noodles and yeah, uh, some- I reckon. It- I reckon this Friday you'd be up to five. I reckon I'm hoping so. You skipped last week. So, Josh Herfey, you better be watching this, mate. We want five this Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon you'll do it. For sure. You have people that are you know, jumping the border across to Adelaide, you know, talking to us and put the bear yeah. trap. Just constantly. We have you and me screaming at the, the, our iPads, watching the footy. It's... Oh, let's, let's not bring that up. It's, it's, yeah. Let's not relive that but yeah, um, mate we're going back over to the Netherlands we are mate the Delft the Delft Blues and I'm calling it mate I'm calling it quite possibly the best jumper in world football the the detail details in this jumper is just as we mentioned in the chat when I first looked at that's a sick jumper 
And then he actually mentioned a bit more about it. And I looked deeper into it and I was like, holy shit, this is, it's up there. Yeah. And we've, we've come across some good jumpers and this one's up there. Yeah, it's, it's, mate, it's a great, great looking jumper. And like, we spent a fair bit of time talking about it and he explains the sort of story behind it all. And, mate, I didn't know that freaking pottery was going to come up in the chat. But I'm pretty like, sure, in, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the chat, I mentioned that I was chatting to my mum and like, oh, we're chatting to Dale. It's like, I oh, make sure you bring up about the ceramics over there. I'm like, no, that's like, oh, if you have Dale ceramic, you know, you're doing really well and it's, it's really cool. I'm like, I'm not bringing that up. Like, why the hell do I bring that up? Five minutes into the chat, it gets brought up. Yep. <laughs> Odd things, but, you know, it's something they're famous for in, uh, over in Delft. Yeah. Um, and, mate, just um, while we're on, Netherlands, they're back. They had their first game of footy on the weekend. Yeah, nice. Had their first round of footy, the uh, Amsterdam Devils, the, our friends at Waterland and the Delft Blues had their first uh, round of footy for the year. So that's good to see them getting out there and having a game, having a kick. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, that's... does it surprise you, though, that one of the uh, in some of the stories on Instagram, uh, I think it's from the AFL Netherlands page, was all the boys on a beach singing piss. And then the next story was two blokes rocking up late straight from the pub. Yeah, that's but, not. That was surprise me, but they wasn't been from Delft. No, the Amsterdam boys. Not they weren't from the uh, what we call the dads of AFL Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, the you know the the quieter ones. Yeah, the parents. You know the the sort of bit more laid back. They're a bit more um, you know not into the party life. They're not quite in the the heart of Amsterdam and living up. So you know, but they do. uh, We do have a. One of our good friends from Waterland gets mentioned as a, you know, he must be a serial pest, that one that Yaz. He gets oh, a nice yeah. little shout out in this one. Yeah, he's, uh, he gets thrown under the bus. So if you're watching Yaz, make sure you pay attention when you're getting. <laughs> yeah, I think he gets thrown under the bus a couple of times. So, but hey, let's get into it. We've got other things to do except go outside. None of that. Yeah. But yeah, we'll. Uh, what are you talking about, mate? I've got a. Uh, I've got 20 minutes to get my a run in that's no further than 5k from my house. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to it. I'll see you later. <laughs> Enjoy this one. Catch you next time. All right. Today we are joined by Michelle Van Eyck from the, well, he's the president of the Delft Blues in Australian Football Club in the Netherlands. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me. No, we appreciate you jumping on the line and uh, having a chat to us. We're, uh, yeah, keen to, keen to learn about more more footy in uh, the Netherlands. We've spoke to a couple of clubs over your way, but we're keen to learn about your club, the Delft Blues. Uh, but first of all, how did you come across Aussie Rules in Holland? Oof, bit of a long story. So um, I, I'll try to keep it short. We we were sort of, I think I was in Holland. Met, my wife, who's Australian, um, we were both studying and um, we came across footy. Well, she told me, of course, about it. But then when we got to Holland, she started a job in Rotterdam and, um, and that's where she met an Aussie guy who said, hey, we've got a few guys who are keeping the footy around. Bring your boyfriend along. We need players. And that's how I got involved with, with actual playing. So... I was back in, uh, yeah, 2008. Oh, very nice. So did you play any footy before you went down to that club or you played any during your travels at all? 
I uh, hadn't played then just yet, but I had been in Australia for one year as a like a, a backpacker working on a like visa kind of thing. And then um, I just, yeah, watched a lot of footy. Um, but then when we went back to Australia in 2009, um, I ultimately joined up with a, uh, with a footy club where um, my missus knew a lot of the guys because she's from country Victoria. And um, a lot of the, the people from her town um, up in Benalla used to play at Swanpool. And so they came down to Melbourne and they were studying. And so they played at um, East Malvern. Um, which I think is in your league too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, so I ended up joining up with them for one season, um, probably a season too late because, uh, yeah, we ended up traveling back to uh, to Holland in 2012. And so I ended up only playing one official game. So <laughs> did the whole preseason, did all the hard yards and uh, only got one game as a reward. So, But it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. So uh, I was, was hoping to continue that from, uh, when we came back here. And, and here we are. No, that's all right. And your your missus must have a very strong Aussie accent because when you first got on, I would have sworn that you were an Aussie living over in Holland. And with the yeah, you got a bit of an Aussie accent to you. It's true. Yeah, I've um, I've confused a lot of people along the way. So um, I met my missus back in '05, so it's a long time ago already. But when we met, we're both exchange students in Italy, and back then I had more of an English accent because. I didn't want to sound American because a lot of the Dutch people who speak English, they, they can speak it very well, but they've got a bit of an American twang and I didn't want to sound like that. So I had a British accent more than, more than anything. And then, uh, yeah, then I met, met the missus and um, spent six months with her um, pretty much every day and, um, and sort of, yeah, morphed my accent into something Australian and it's only yeah, it got stronger over the years. <clears throat> Yeah, when you, as Riffy said, when you jumped on, so on the run sheet, the first question we normally have would depend if someone's Australian or native to the, to the country. And I'm looking at the run sheet going, oh, I'm absolutely stiff Rifty up here. The question is wrong because I just thought with your accent, you're Australian. And then we started chatting. I'm like, oh, no, it's good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't stuffed him up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny that how you, your accent changes around certain people and, you know, you're able to adapt your accent. And I always find yeah. it funny when, you know, uh, people do learn English and things and they most of it spent watching American TV. So they get the American accent to them and stuff exactly. like that. Uh, even my kids growing up when they're little, they, they had an American accent with some of the words they'd say. Who was mm-hmm. the club that we spoke to that was, was it the French club, the States Luzon that was, it was so a very, very strong French accent. And then he said, was it? Oh, shit? Went, ah, shit. And it yeah. was an Aussie accent. Yeah. It comes so Aussie. <laughs> Yeah, that actually that happened to my brother. Like he came over to visit me when we were in Australia, and um, like his his English is pretty good, but he's got the Dutch accent, so so he speaks like this a little bit more. And um, but then he would he, he caught on to Aussie saying yeah a lot. So when you speak to him in English now, and he he answers like affirmatively, he just says yeah yeah, and he says it in an Aussie <laughs> accent. It's really funny. Oh, that's gold. Oh, we'll get back to back to it. But so, when and and how was the club first founded, and and why did they choose uh, the Blues? Yeah, so the club was founded officially. Uh, well, we're two seasons in, so a little bit over two years ago now, and um, we'd 
we'd gone through some some teams in the region before. So we used to have a team called the the Den Haag, um, or if I said the Hague Storks, effectively. Um, and that was back when when I was here in 08, um, they they had that team, but um, that sort of fell apart, and we wanted to appeal to a wider area of the Netherlands because we we've sort of got the Hague and Rotterdam very close together, and um, there's like like 20 k's between them, and then we've got Delft kind of in the middle of that, and Delft's quite a quite a picturesque old town, um, significant in in Dutch history as well for the assassination of William of Orange, blah blah blah. Anyway, so. Um, we wanted to appeal to that wider region. And so we thought, all right, well, let's base ourselves in Delft. We can appeal to The Hague. We can appeal to Rotterdam. Hopefully get a larger uh, player base. Um, and yeah, make it into something successful. And Delft is known for its, um, its pottery like, um, and, and, and tiles and things like that that have this specific blue color. Blue, uh, so Delft blues. Um, and... There's actually this guy who was involved with footy over in Holland a number of years back who lived in Delft and he'd always had this dream of saying, all right, we want to get another team and we should get the Delft Blues because it's such an easy name to pick because of the, the famous Delft Blue um, yeah, pottery and, 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 and earthenware. So, so that's the story behind it, effectively. So you mentioned about the ceramic. What I mentioned, my mum asked me, uh, I think, the other day, I said, where are you off to this weekend? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Delft. And she's like, oh... The ceramic they make there is incredible. You know, if you've got some Delft ceramic, you know, you know you, it's expensive. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's going to come up at all. But no, I was, I was wrong. It did. So, um, yeah. yeah. It actually comes back in our jumper as well. I, I was actually about to bring yeah. that up. Your jumper is, I don't know if you've seen it, Rifty, but go check it out. It's actually probably up there one of my favorite jumpers just with how unique of a look it is. How did you guys come up with that jumper design? Because it's, it's great. It's so, you know, seems to be very into, into yeah, whatever that word is. I've lost, can't think of the word. Iconic. Yeah, iconic. Intricate. Very, yes, that's the word. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detailed would have done it. Detailed would have done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so um, the, the credits go to a guy on our side, um, on, on the, the AFL Netherlands board um, called Steve, Steve Dillon. Um, he's been involved in jumper and logo design for, for all of our clubs, uh, I think, maybe except for Amsterdam, that was designed maybe before his time. But um, anyway, Steve um, said, right, at the time that we said we're going to get Delft off the ground, he decided to take it upon himself to look at jumper designs. And um, so he's looked at how can we incorporate the tiles. And so we've got this, yeah, tile pattern essentially on the jumper. And we've made it applicable to like the club. So there's there's little little details in there of like an Aussie footy or a kangaroo. And then you've got the typical uh, Dutch, um, like the kissing couple kind of thing, windmills, all that kind of stuff. So we've incorporated most of, um, most of that into the jumper. And he's, he's put it all together and um, he's worked with the, uh, the AFL Europe's uh, apparel design um, um, company and they you know, put it all together. So we've got the sash going across it and, I think it's one of the best ones we've got in the Netherlands. I'll go as far as say it's one of the best ones floating around the world, to be honest with you. When I come across it, like the blue sash stands out because it's different to a lot. Like it's a different colored sash. And then, yes, from a distance, it just looks like it's white. And then you actually start really looking into it. And yeah, as Rifty knows, logos and jumpers that have got a lot of detail in it, I'm massive fans of. So, you know, it's a ripper jumper to be running around. And that's for sure. Just checking it out, mate. Yeah, it looks, I agree. Yeah. Uh... 
when when I heard, you know, the blues, me being a Carlton man blues, I thought you might have just had something similar, a bit of navy going on. But no, I like the design. I like the, like I said, the intricacies of the uh, design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, like I said, from a distance, I was tr- I was looking at one of the pictures um, of the guy standing there, and you couldn't really see the details. And then I see that the close up, and you can see, you know, the, the kangaroo and all the little details and stuff in it, the Southern Cross and all that. Looks, yeah, that looks bloody awesome. Oh, cheers. Uh, no worries. We we like you know unique names, logos, and jumpers here. So you know, every time we come across one, we do enjoy it. But um, so you see, you're not. The club's not very old. So how did the club go in its first season and how many players did you have? Definitely uh, very up and down first season. Like we, uh, I don't think we won a game in that first season and we had about, oh, you know, um, I would say that at our peak, we had one game where we might've had like 11 players and we played nine in Europe, as you might know. So um, we barely had a bench, um, but because it happened to be the case that, you know, Amsterdam was very big at the time, what we've got going in, in Holland in order to make sure that we can, we can get as many competitive games as possible is that sometimes we'll do like a player squad if needed. So we've got a few ring-ins um, to make sure that we could put a good competitive game on. Um, but yeah, that first game against Amsterdam was yeah, a non-contest pretty much. So uh, we, we lost uh, significantly. Uh, which, considering the fact that you know Amsterdam has been up there in, in the European um, Champions League tournament uh, for the last few years, is no surprise. So, um, yeah, overall we didn't do too badly. If you see how we progressed that game, but yeah, we did lose uh, significantly. How how hard have you found it getting players, and and how do you guys go about recruiting to get new players to the club? Now we've, we've really uh, focused on social media um, because, I mean, everyone clearly is you know, working day jobs and we don't really have um, time to go out and, and hunt players actively too much. Um, so we, we've focused on social media um, and that's been fairly successful. You, you kind of target Aussies living in the Netherlands plus um, Dutch guys who've been to Australia, have had exposure to, uh, to Aussie rules or might have some sort of link to Australia. And, and through that, I have to say that right now, the balance is probably a bit more towards Aussie players in terms of what we have. Um, but, you know, we've, we've still got a mix um, of, of players from, from the Netherlands. There's a, um, we used to have a guy from, from the UK who played with us as well. Um, so, it's, yeah, we, we try to get as many as possible through that. One big problem in the Netherlands, I don't know, you might have heard this already from another club, but in terms of recruiting, you know, the, you, you can't really poach from soccer because it's just too big a sport and, like, the, the, the full-on contact is a bit different. Plus, you can't really get much in the way of youth because you don't have school sports in the same way as they do in Australia. So we kind of have to start, you know, from the older age brackets and mature players and, and, and uni students and then long term, you might be able to sort of gradually work your way down and get into schools through clinics or whatever. But that's something that's definitely like a long term thing that we cannot do right now. So, yeah, social media is the way to go for us right now. Yeah, well, hopefully you can um, sort of, you know, make some headroads with, with getting some more younger players down to the club in, in the future. Um, and I was going to ask you where you get to train and play your games, but I see 
just going through your Facebook. You've been doing a couple of sessions down at the, the beautiful beach down there. It looks all right. Yeah, it goes all right. I actually don't live too far from that. So it's like a five minute bike ride from my house. Um, and we, yeah, when the weather's like this, we, we can go down to Delfton and we've got a ground there, which is excellent. But um, yeah, like change of scenery is not, not that bad a thing, especially with a group where we've had like I think six new guys this year um, to not just, yeah, um, do a bit of training, but also a bit of bonding and stuff like that. So that was really good. Um, we'll probably do that a few more times, um, but probably not week or week, of course. Um, be nice, but at the same time, you do want to maintain a bit of fitness and, um, and just running through soft sand, of course, gets a bit tiring. So yeah. Yeah, so what about Here's your actual good. your games? Where do you get to play those? Yeah, so we've got it's it's at a soccer club in Delft. Um and you'll see on, on, on our social media channels that we generally tag the location in there. And it's um it's this big sports complex where they've got like five soccer clubs and a few tennis clubs and all that kind of stuff. But this particular soccer club is actually called um, Delft Football Club, which is kind of, yeah, similar to, um, so it kind of fits and they play in blue. And they said, look, you can come and play here. We've got one artificial ground that you can train on whenever. And if that's too busy, um, then you can train on our main pitch, which is real grass. And that's, that's like, um, it's like a pool table. It's beautiful grass. And um, yeah, we've, we've played a few games there. And uh, generally, that will be like a full game day for the whole day of the Netherlands. So we'll bring all the three teams down. Uh, we have like round-robin matches throughout the day. And then at the end of that, we all get together on the pavilion. And, uh, yeah, and just have, uh, have, a, have a drink and, and enjoy each other's company. So that works really well. Yeah, you're never going to complain about uh, getting to use a you know, ground sort of whenever you want, <clears throat> especially from most clubs in Europe. They're sort of fighting, you know, tooth and nail to even try and get an hour, at a, actually not even in Europe, around the world. Um, so, as you said, you're only a new club. So, how have you guys done in your couple of years in the, the league that you're playing? So, the first year, we... So, with, with a, like a, a three-team competition, it's hard to really make a, a proper full season league. So, what we do is we play this tournament across multiple match days and then we, we do have like a, a ladder that determines who gets into the grand final straight away and who does the prelim so in the first season we played in that um after the home and away games we ended up playing um well we ended up last without any wins so we played in the prelim um to play off for that second spot in the grand final and that's where we played against Waterland, who are the guys from Pemarenta Eagles, who you might have already spoken to. And, um, yeah, they, they beat us. Uh, just was a really tight game. Um, they made the grand final. And uh, second season, I think we ended second on the ladder with, with two wins, I think, out of five, five games. I think we were second. And then, um, yeah, we played in the play prelim again. Um, and, unfortunately, yeah, didn't make it. Um, that time either. So, yeah, um, clearly we're struggling for numbers. That that was the consistency was hard to build. Um, and I think that now that we've got a yeah a significant batch of new players, I think that, that as soon as we do kick off games in Holland again, yeah, we'll be a lot more of a competitive showing, and, uh, and we'd like to yeah to challenge to to hopefully uh, knock them off uh, this time in the final. So you said you play five game season. <laughs> 
Yeah, so five match days, you play two matches every single day. And then after that, there's a number of other events that we have. So there's an international rules game uh, that gets played between Amsterdam or a, a collection of players from AFL Netherlands in general uh, against uh, the GAA team in Amsterdam, the Gaelic football guys. There's a, um, an Anzac uh, or Koningsdag Cup, which is like King's Day Cup, where we play all Aussies against all Dutchies. Um, then there's a few trips in between that we might do to, uh, to other, um, other countries. So uh, we've been to France a number of times. Uh, we've been over to the UK, to England. Uh, we play in some of the pre-season tournaments that they've got in, in Scotland. Um, like, uh, well, you know, Delft hasn't gone over, but generally we try to see if we can organize those trips. So there was the, um, uh, the Leprechaun Cup in Belfast that um, Amsterdam played, for example. So it's, it's those kind of tournaments that um, we then try to get each individual club team involved in. And, um, I'm actually speaking to a new team in France, in, in Lille, which is up in the north of France. And they're actually um, trying to look for games as well. So we might organize something with them, just have a once-off game and have these like international friendlies. So that then sort of fills out the calendar. And then there's clearly a ramp up towards the, the Euro Cup, which is the nation's team's uh, competition um, that gets held yearly. Um, and then we do have like preseason games for the, the lead up to the, the Champions League with Amsterdam generally. So we organize all these other events in between to try and sort of fill out the calendar. And then the other difficult thing we're dealing with is, of course, that summer holidays here fall in the middle of our season. So, you know, we, we do run the season from, let's say, February to ultimately like September, but there's a break in between because people just go on holiday and you can't organize games. So you kind of have like two separate parts. Yeah, no, Rifty uh, knows exactly why I asked that question. And don't worry, Rifty, I'll explain to him after the episode to save you then to edit another extremely explicit rant of mine out. Um, <laughs> so... You mentioned about how you get uh, the pre-season for the Champions League. So how often do you guys, like how many games will you guys organise the teams coming across to play against you before the Champions League is a bit of a warm-up for them? Yeah, so before the Champions League, we generally have two like really competitive hit-outs that are proper tune-ups for, for Champions League. And then there might be a few inter-club games or um, uh, things like that. So I think you probably get about five games in the lead up to Champions League that, that you play. So, and it just sort of gradually increases in terms of intensity. So. Nice. Well, how hard has it been for you guys to get sponsorship for the club? Difficult. Um, no one knows the sport here, really. Um, you have to happen to, to know, to have some sort of link to Australia. Um, clearly being involved in, in not just Delft, but also having been involved in the other clubs in the past, I know that they've, they've worked through things like Aussie pubs or they've tried to um, um, work with like importers of Aussie goods. Like we had this shop in, in Leiden once upon a time, really long ago, that used to sponsor the national team. And, uh, and they used to just sell stuff like um, Phoebe, Tim Tams, um, like all, all your, your standard, uh, all these like, twisties, all that kind of stuff. They used to sell that here, 
and um, and they said, yeah, I'd be happy to sponsor you guys because the, the guy who owned it, he also he loved having you know Aussie rules in the Netherlands, so he really just wanted us to see uh, want to see us have success. Um, so that was how it sort of went. Now, with at a national level, we've been able to sponsor uh, get sponsorship through Spike TV because they um, they they target their target audience is kind of our age bracket. So we've been able to say, all right, well, if we do this, we organize these games and we promote you on social media, then they'll be happy to sponsor us and, and hit us out with, with, uh, with training gear and, and match day um, sponsorship on the jumpers. So, um, so that's how we've really been able to do that. But yeah, we just have to have local contacts and, and try to, yeah, get small businesses to, yeah, um, to throw us some sponsorship um, through, having some sort of association with Australia generally. Yeah. So how popular is a VB over in, in Holland? Like, are they, they <laughs> get around it over there or what? Uh, not really. Uh, Bundy more so. Um, but we did, uh, I, I did get a few uh, six packs off him uh, just for, for nostalgia's sake, I suppose. Um, so I, I did get a few way overpriced VBs from him. Yes. <laughs> Could imagine. I'm going to go a very, okay. Massive callback here, Rifty, just to test your memory. But remember how VB is what makes you be able to play to you above 35? Oh, that was uh, with that the was guys State, State to Lusa. I was like episode yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I was telling those boys that uh, over here, there's guys that just never stop. And last night we had a few, a couple of the guys down at training. And one of them is our a former coach and he's 68 years old. He's still running around having a kick. Wow. And and the guys from State to Luson said, I want to know what he's drinking to I want his secret elixir <laughs> and I said, Oh, it's just VB, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And, uh well, but for the for Willow it's it's actually Jim Bean. He uh, he doesn't doesn't drink beer at all. But um but what about the social side of the club? What do you guys do function wise to, you know, have a bit of fun and raise some money for the club? Yeah, so we, um, well, there's not much in the way of fundraiser, but clearly these sessions, beach sessions and things like that is one thing. What we want to do, because of the fact that we've got the facilities with the, with the clubhouse there and with the pavilion, we want to organise um, game day barbecues, for example, to, to raise funds for the club. Um, in the past, we've also um, done like grand final nights with, with some of the other clubs. Um, unfortunately, our group here was too small to actually organise an event, but that's that's kind of the events that we're looking at it's um grand final um generally like brunch kind of thing clearly because the game is on really early um so then we'll sort of watch the game and then have a breakfast after that or have a grand final breakfast and then do that first kind of at like 5 a.m <laughs> and then and then we continue on through the day kind of so those are a few things we've done um we've got presentation art which usually is a big fundraiser as well we've got kind of different activities throughout the throughout the evening then we put that on as a centralized um AFL Netherlands event so everyone gathers at um generally in Amsterdam because we've got the best uh, venue there to do it at um because their sponsor is uh, is a restaurant and they have their own sort of pub as well where yeah where we pretty much can go anytime so um so they help us out massively and then then we organize different kinds of events um raffles and all that kind of stuff on the day itself um, clearly, you know, that some of the cost of, of, of uh, the, um, 
um, the table and, and, and coverage and all that kind of stuff, they charge, um, um, or the, some of the charges that go towards that also go back to the clubs. So, uh, so we sort of divvy that up um, appropriately. Oh, very nice. Uh, so how long now have you played for and, and what position do you play? I've, uh, I've I think I've, <laughs> I sort of started off um, back in 08 um, in the forward pocket. Um, well, I came from soccer and I was a striker there, so uh, I wanted to kick goals. So that's what I did. And, smart um, man. Very smart man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, gradually, uh, as more and more experience, um, uh, with more and more experience, I, I transitioned through the midfield, um, especially in the national team. But then, uh, yeah, when we were playing with, with a mixture of players, I'd generally like, I, I'd rotate through the midfield to be up forward. And now that I'm getting... Uh, <laughs> Towards uh, the, the yeah the back half of the thirties, I'm, uh, I'm I'm more in the the back half, so half back kind of thing. Still, unfortunately, I have to rotate through the middle every now and then, which uh, which kills me. But uh, it's good fun. So I've played everywhere pretty much. Um, I even remember like one or two games where I pinch it in the ruck, but I'm only like one seventy eight. So <laughs> that's not exactly where I want to be. Nah, not at all. So you mentioned. Well, go ahead, Rifty. I was just going to say, it just sounds like a utility to me. Yeah. You know, well, I was going to say that, but I felt like I've given you <laughs> enough props saying that, mate. So you say my head's getting big, man, a full forward. The amount of times I've said, oh, it sounds like you, mate. Your head's getting bigger and bigger. Um, so you mentioned that you played for the national team. Yeah. Um, so how many times have you represented uh, the Netherlands and what competitions have you played at? Gee whiz. I wouldn't be able to tell you all the individual games, the total number, but um, I played in uh, one, two, three, four, five Euro Cups, I think. So playing, yeah, I won't name them all, but um, yeah, um, quite a few of those. And they would have been every single tournament you had, like this is all one day tournament and you play five games. So it's a killer. And then... Um, there's a number of other competitions we played, like in the Haggis Cup in Scotland once with the national team. Um, one of the best things we did was we went over to London and played a, um, against the GB Bulldogs on the 18 aside um, pitch, which had been so long for me that I was, I was just wrapped to be able to do that again. Um, it was a real eye-opener for some of the other guys. So that was one of the great things we did. Um, yeah, so and then beyond that, a whole bunch of um, friendlies and some of the King's Day Cup games we played against Aussies. Um, Aussies in the Netherlands, that is, of course. So get two representative sides going at it, which was great. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the kind of competitions that generally we're playing. Yeah, nice. I don't know if we asked, but how did you become president? Well, I um, kind of, yeah, uh, I suppose that um, I, I was president of the AFL Netherlands for a while as well. And um, I had to step back and kids came into the picture and just, yeah, ate too much up of my time. Um, but because I'm local and um, I'm, yeah, I mean, the most experienced in terms of playing footy in the Netherlands, I was kind of the natural choice. Um, and it's not like we are a really formal structure. I mean, we try to centralise most of the organisation through AFL Netherlands but clearly you want to have some sort of governance at club level as well. So nominally I'm the president, but with such a small group of people, you generally try to make things happen together anyway. So 
Um, it's just that there needs to be someone who has the title and, uh, and that's it. But um, happily, I'm not solely responsible for taking that task on. I'll tell you one thing I've quite enjoyed, Rifty, about speaking to people, not just from Europe, but around the world, is how many people we spoke to and towards the end, they just dropped that oh, I was president of the whole league or I was you know, on the board for AFL Asia. I, I like the, you know, it's not a big, it's a, it is a big deal, but it's not like you know, in Australia, that would be the first thing a lot of Australians would want to tell you is, oh, you know, I was the president of AFL Netherlands for three years where we get talking to these boys, we get towards the end of the conversation. I'm like, I've got so many more questions I could have asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy it though. It's, um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for again, but yeah, it's, it's nice to know that it's just sort of, you know, everyone across there and across the world sort of feel like it's just part of what happens. Everyone needs to do their, do their job for this game. So they do it um, with no fuss. So, but um, anyway, back to your playing. Where, where were we? Um, oh, so what number do you wear? Ah, my favourite number, number 33. Um, that's, that's what I like to play in. So if it's there, and generally, like, oh, I've got my own jumper made up for, uh, for the Netherlands, so I'll bring that out. But we, the, the, the kit doesn't actually have the number 33 generally, so then I have to pull out something else. Um, and then it'll either be 11 or, or 9, because that's what I played in soccer mostly. So, so when you get your um, jumpers made up, you guys just get like a sort of one to whatever. You don't just find out what blokes number blokes want. Um, it's a bit of a mix. So we want to have a club kit, um, especially because uh, you know you, you get Aussies travelling through, and they they sometimes they want to end the, the, in the end they want to buy their own jumper anyway. But you want to make sure that there's a kit always available so that people can can just play. So that's generally like one to twenty six or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, we do also get players who, who want to get the mode and jumper made up. And then there's like once every year or two years that will go, Hey, let's do a jumper order, see who's interested and, and get your own number, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we do it. Well, next time you guys uh, get around to doing a jumper order, mate, let me know. You can hit us up through our email or message and I would love to get myself a 42 on one of them jumpers. Cause that is an absolute pillar. Excellent. Yeah, well, actually. Be- been talking to a few clubs about. I haven't told you this. Told you this. Told you this yet, Rifty. But actually speaking to a few clubs to try and order a couple of my couple of jumpers in forty two, and actually for our episodes, throw them up across the uh, the garage doors. A little bit of a backdrop to show the clubs that we've been to, and once we do eventually start setting up our podcast in our club rooms, made as a little backdrop for us. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, when you go, when you do them next month, yeah, hit us up, and I'll definitely like to buy one because they are an absolute ripper of a jumper. Yeah, for sure. That's actually a good point. Like that's another thing we've got in terms of merchandise. Is something we do jumper sales, of course, and that's that raises a bit of funds. And we get stubby holders and and, and, and beanies is the other big thing. So yeah, so then we try to sort of make sure we get. He's just said three of my favourite things there: footy <laughs> jumper, stubby holder, and beanie. Yeah, there you go. Excellent. Got all get a care package covered. going. <laughs> um, but who who do you follow in the AFL? Melbourne. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is, isn't it? But then again, you're a Carlton supporter, so I think we're in the same boat. Um, yeah, no, that's because, um, yeah, my missus family has a 50-50 split between Melbourne and Richmond, and she's Melbourne. Um, so she said anything but Collingwood. And I was all right, well, have a look here, what I want. And uh, it was a jumper that got me. I've gone, I like that jumper. That's the one. Yeah, well, when the choice is between Melbourne and Richmond, 
you've made that you've made the better choice. I know <laughs> they haven't had as much success, but you don't want to be a part of that curl fan base. Don't tell my mother-in-law that. <laughs> who was it? The other, well, it came to a club the other day. I don't know who it was, and it was like literally me sitting. I'd rather sit next to fifty Carlton supporters than one Richmond supporter. Yeah, well, there was um, Will from uh, uh, AFL England. That's right. AFL yeah. England. Yeah. Ah, uh, Will. Yeah. Yeah, heard of Will. Uh, um, I'm sorry. So who's your favourite player of all time? Favourite player of all time? Um, I'm going to have to say Goodsy, I think. Because um, when, I, when I was introduced to Ozzy Wills, clearly he was um, coming into his prime and, and he won his Brownlows when I was in Australia as well. And like his ability to, like, to, to play forward, midfield, ruck and, and pretty much like take a game by the scruff of, scruff of the neck was, was unbelievable. So he's one of the players that really sticks in the mind. And, and if I have to pick a Melbourne player, then, um, then I think I'd probably go with, um, with James McDonald. Um, it's, just, you know, it's hard because McDonald is not a player who you know, stands out much, but he really you know, does, does his best work in there without fuss and, and was so important for that team in the middle 2000s. So, yeah, it's a tough one, but I'll say Goodsy. I always enjoy when a supporter will come out with a sort of obscure name no most blokes would have gone your nathan joneses or your like i actually think of anybody else but um <laughs> one, yeah one, yeah, one thing that um maxi gone that's what i was like i was trying yeah, to think yeah. of um but out of all the clubs when we spoke to rift i think there's a pretty common theme here about the favorite player of all time yeah well goods has been mentioned a few times now and um a few you'd be within the double digits by now oh yeah you're close to it and, and like you said it you're in a similar situation. A lot of the other people we spoke to that they've they've adopted the game at that similar stage where he was up and about and playing yeah. some some exceptional footy, winning brownlows and things like that. So it's, uh, I think it's it's good that he's getting worldwide recognition if he's not getting it uh, enough of it here. Yeah, yeah. I watched a documentary and uh, and all that. So that that's a very interesting debate that you could probably talk about for. <laughs> for a whole another three podcasts. But, yeah, um, we spoke about that when <clears throat> whoever was the first person that said their favourite player was Goods. And I said, it's a shame that you know, whenever someone mentions Adam Goods, it's always that conversation will come up. And I think either yeah, Rifty or the, the person that mentioned, it's a bad thing, but it's also a good thing it comes up because it actually makes people start to think and realise, hey, and I'm like, oh, it's actually a fair point. But I think it might have been you that mentioned that, Rifty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, was, I sort of said it's a bit of a shame that his career is now going to be always connected to to the booing and those kinds of things where, you know, he should have should only be remembered as a premiership player, Brownlow medalist and one of the best players, you know, not only indigenous players, but one of the best players to play the bloody game. And hmm. and I'm a like I said, I'm a Carlton supporter and, and watching him throughout his prime was he was an exceptionally good player. And it's a shame when things, you know, out of his control, and that sort of put a, a black mark on his career. Yeah, I, I do think it's slow. I, I do think at some point in time that conversation will become Adam Goods, the Brownlow medalist and the Premiership player. I think we're as a society, especially in Australia, we're very, very slowly moving to where you know that's what it would be, and it won't be. Oh, he snitched on a little girl because 
you know, he'd done what he thought needed to be done. And unfortunately, some people in the media get a lot of leeway. And yeah, again, Rifty, yeah. I'll save your editing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's lighten it up a bit, mate. Yeah, and, uh, sorry. Let's, let's get on to some funny ones. It's time oh. for him to throw some teammates under the bus. And um, what's your first one you got there, Doug? I didn't actually realize that's what we were up to. You've made me excited now. Um, okay. <laughs> so which player at the Blues would you say is the class clown of the club? Class clown. I will say um, it's my, and, and he probably will come up for uh, for a few more categories, I think. But um, uh, Edwin, uh, he's our, um, <laughs> he's he's a, he's a really cool guy. He came in um, from a water polo background, would you believe? And he's from from the north of the Netherlands, Friesland, which is um, <laughs> an area that that has a lot of. Um, its own cultural identity, so it's got its own flag and its own national anthem, but it's part of the Netherlands. So, um, but yeah, he's he, he'll always be in your ear and, and cracking jokes and, and and trying to get some banter going. So, uh, I'll uh, I'll call out Eddie in this one, Steady Eddie. <laughs> Steady. It's all, all right. calling. <laughs> uh, so, who's the party animal? The party animal. Um, well, there's a few guys that. Um, we are yet to take out and see how they fare on a night out. But um, I, at this point in time, I'll say Dickie, uh, who's he also organises lot, lots of the training drills that we do. Um, he's been around the traps in, in the Netherlands in terms of footy um, a bit as well. Um, came over from London, uh, played for Amsterdam a bit, but now he's in uh, in, in the Hague and um, playing for Delft. And you know, you, 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 you try to call out, hey, who's coming to training and and you know, last year especially, there was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm in Dubrovnik or I'm I'm somewhere else in Croatia. I'm somewhere in like on a party island in Spain or whatever. So he's always off doing stuff, and you get him out like he, oh, I, I can't keep up with him. He's just <laughs> um, yeah, he's good value on a night out for sure. That no, sounds good. All right, who's who's the person that just takes the game far too seriously out there? Uh, I might be guilty of that, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, if if things don't go well for me, then uh, you'll know as soon as I start swearing in Dutch, and that tends to happen a few times. So <laughs> I'll probably take it too seriously. I should probably uh, tone that down a bit, to be honest. Maybe it's the the Aussie misses rubbing off on you, taking it a bit too, taking the footy too serious. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, after after especially in Australia, I have to watch it, of course, with the umpires in terms of what I was saying. So I was swearing in Dutch there as well, and no one would understand. So they just go, oh, whatever, this guy's off his nut. So. <laughs> You're right, Rifty. I reckon I might need to speak to uh, so our coaches. His uh, fiance is, is from Holland, so she's oh, right. she's I think she's only been in Australia for maybe six years now. Um, but I was just think I might need to speak to her, get some lessons in Dutch, so that way I can start swearing in Dutch when I crack the shits and <laughs> not get, not get in trouble by the umpires. That's it. <laughs> Actually, we'll get down to the club and get her to do like you know, you know, a group lesson in how to swear in Dutch, and we'll get get away with everything, mate. Won't need to worry about this. Uh, be careful what you say to the umpire. Yeah. yeah, it's great fun because it sounds really guttural sometimes, so you can really get stuck into it. It's it's really satisfying. <laughs> All right, um, you you go on a fair few trips with uh, your footy. So who's the bloke that you wouldn't want a room with on a footy trip? Oh, um, oh, he he doesn't play with Delft. He's um, he's actually <laughs> from the national team. Yazzie. Oh, Yazzie. <laughs> yes. Yazzie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> as, oh, soon as, as, as soon as you said 
He doesn't play for the team. I'm going, oh, fuck. I reckon it could be Yaz. I reckon it could be Yaz. For yeah. sure. Yeah. By a mile. <laughs> oh, he's, he's great value. I love the guy, but seriously, when he's on a footy trip. And I don't know whether they, they told you the story once that um, I think it was we went to the UK to, to London for the Euro Cup. And he came along. And um, so he was playing as well. And oh, just on the, the night um, after the tournament, like clearly he was like he was going at him hard. Like he's had it, having he had way too much piss. And then um, one of the guys actually broke his ankle during the day. And I think he broke getting back into bed in one of the rooms. Like he broke one of his crutches or something. I don't even know how he did it. But oh, everyone who was in that room did not get a single night, a single minute of sleep. It was just unbelievable. He's oh, great though. Like, I really love him. He's excellent. That nah, seems like a great guy. Yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. We spoke to him and I think it was Tyson. Yeah, Tyson. Yeah, him and Tyson from the uh, Waterland Eagles. And yeah, they definitely uh, they definitely look like they enjoy a good time up there at the Eagles. That's oh, for sure. For sure. sure. Speaking with you, it almost feels like the Dolph Blues are a bit more of the uh, father club and the Waterland Eagles are a bit more of the... Uh, 18 year olds, let your hair down, yeah, enjoy, the the, bucks, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the Amsterdam lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, we've, like, I've, yeah, the other guy who's down here who started the club with me, Maurice, um, he's, uh, he's about the same age as me and he was present as well. And yeah, so it's a bit of a calmer lifestyle down in The Hague as well. It's slightly smaller, it's about the size of Geelong in terms of population. Um, but it's it's a like a proper city. It's got a proper city infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. But it's um, yeah, a bit quieter. And I think that probably attacks that attracts a particular group of guys that are a bit older and a lot of expat workers here as well. So that probably helps. For anybody that um wants to know just sort of how loose they are down in Waterland, how long did we record for with them? Rifty about an hour, forty-five to an hour. Yeah, yeah, not long. Yeah, what did we get out of that? About 25 minutes worth of content we could put to air? Yeah, yeah, we've had to cut a bit. We, um... <laughs> it was all good stuff, but it just was, wasn't appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but no, it's they... appropriate for some audiences, but... <laughs> uh, some of the things I was answering, we're like, yeah, okay, that's definitely going to be uh, sent around to a few of our, our group chats, just the uh, certain <laughs> subject matter. But anyway... um. They're chatting about Monopoly, Rifty. Bit another throwback. Yeah. You remember that? But anyway, so who's got the best nickname at the club? Uh, well, I was going to say Steady Eddie, uh, but honourable mention to uh, a guy who's been at AFL Netherlands, but who's rejoined after being um, being living in in, uh, in the Middle East for a while is uh, is uh, Nico, and Nico's got a nickname which is the Squirrel. Um, I always try to make that one stick because like he, he, <laughs> he has this hair where it just sort of, there's this swirl across this top and it sort of rolls like that. So I nicknamed him the swirl and uh, first training when he got back a few weeks ago, I made sure that that one uh, was introduced to the, the, the rest of the group straight away. So uh, I do love when we get a good story behind a nickname. It's always nice. Yeah, and a story that's allowed to go to air as well. We've had a few that, like, okay, let's, we, we can't mention that. Um, so, which two blokes have the biggest bromance? Tyson Gazzy, for sure. Uh, and again, it's not really a Delft Blues group, but uh, you can't go past them. It's excellent. Well, when they answered as themselves, when they got answered that, because we spoke to both of them, obviously, as I said before, 
we answered that question. They both just sort of looked into each other's eyes and they're just like, yeah, it's us. <laughs> exactly. And we, we actually, there, well, it's a few years back, but there used to be two guys. One was uh, a Dutch guy called Wouter, and played also for the national team, of course. Um, and there's another guy who was Dutch, but he was also, he had a Luxembourg passport as well, I think. And then he had Spanish heritage. So it was this mix of, of everything. And they just, they had a, like a beautiful thing going on. That was amazing too. But uh, it's, oh, the, the, sure, for sure you get the most uh, laughs out of uh, the bromance between Tyson and Yankees. That, that one wins. Yeah, they, they did look lovingly into each other's eyes when we asked that question, which is great. Flutter so, uh, the eyelids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Ed Dog appreciated it. He's oh, part of it. He's one half of a good bromance. So he, he was... Um, Missing his uh, hetero life partner at the time after not uh, having not being able to see him for a while, so uh, he's been able to catch up with him since. So he's been able to rekind- rekindle the flame. Yeah, let's so, see. Let's let's see how he goes once uh, with Kelly gives birth, mate. Well, you probably won't be happy. It's not his. You might get to him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but Spewing doesn't look in a good life. <laughs> um, but thanks, Eve, for joining us, mate. <laughs> Uh, we do appreciate your time. Um, yeah, no worries. We'll where can fun. everyone go to find uh, follow along with you guys and and um, yeah, check out those jumpers and uh, yeah, pictures of you guys training at the beach and stuff. Yeah, so um, you go to Instagram at Delft Blues FC, I believe it is, um, and you'll find all the, um, the pictures there. Um, that also gets posted to our Facebook page, which uh, I think also has the same handle, um, Delft Blues FC. Um, so go and find us there. Um, yeah, and by all means, if, if any of you guys or any of the audience um, happens to have a trip coming up, probably next year, <laughs> it's going to take a while before that kicks off again. But um, if anyone's coming over, feel free to come down for a kick for training or whatever, hit us up and uh, yeah. Yeah, or well, maybe uh, our coach, if he's ever heading over to visit the in-laws you might have to hit you guys up and come over come over kick as as long as you've got some jim beam in the fridge for him after training he'll be happy what, what do you mean he might sure i'm making him go to these clubs when he go when he's going i'm going to see robin's family okay you need to go here you need to go yeah. here you need to go here if not i mean rift your president vice president you don't go there you don't have a job mate like i said <laughs> He only has one stipulation, and that is that there's Jim Beam in the fridge for once he's finished training. It's so that's that can be own. arranged, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, speak yeah. to the guys at the clubhouse. Beautiful. Let's, it's already in the works. We'll let him know. Um, awesome. Thanks again for joining us, mate. Uh, I wish you all the best for the rest of this this year. Hopefully, you get some games at the tail end of the year, and and uh, we might catch up with you next year or. or you know, after you get some games this year, if you, if you do, and um, yeah, best of luck with it all. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, well, obviously, you guys also good luck with the podcast. Um, looks like you've got a good formula going, so uh, have fun with that. And thanks for having me again. Oh, All thank right, thanks for joining us, mate. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good weekend, boys. Yeah, thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info. 
because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.